You're listening to the New Life Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're a family of believers in Anderson, Missouri, that want to experience God in a real way, both inside and outside the walls of a building. For more Sunday messages, upcoming events, or to get in touch, visit new-life-church.net. We're going to read our scripture this morning out of, the, out of Romans chapter 8. And uh, I'm going to be reading from the most modern version that was available in 1611. Uh, <laughs> because I'm an old dude and that's who I am. Okay, so are you ready? Amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that, mind, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit." For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the Spirit that dwelleth in you. Amen. I want to read a couple more verses. In verse 28 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And who he justified, them he also glorified. The Bible is a book of contrast. I'll say that again. The Bible is a book of contrast. I thought about, you know, if I was to ask today, how many of you know for a fact that uh, when you die, you're going to go to heaven and you was to raise your hand? There'd be many that raised your hands today, right? And we would do that gleefully and joyfully and we would all feel really good about it. And, but if I were to follow up that question with the question, well, how many of you know that if you were to die right now, you'd go to hell? Wow, the atmosphere. <laughs> it was awkward. Uh, it would get a little awkward. Amen? Why? Because there's such a vast contrast between those two questions. Yet, nevertheless, that is really a question that the Bible is trying to solve as, as we read the Word and we hear uh, the words of Jesus. You know, he, all, he talked about hell quite a bit. But the contrast begins all the way back in the book of Genesis. Amen. You know, the Bible starts by saying that this earth, this world, this earth was really uh, without form. It was void. It was empty. 
There wasn't a lot going on. In fact, there wasn't anything going on. And then all of a sudden, God began to speak uh, words in, of creation, into, and this world became what we know of it today. Amen. And then He followed that up by making light separated from darkness. The contrast that took place in those two things. And then He separated that light and darkness and called it day and night. Amen. Then He made animals. And He contrasted that with human beings. And then He even contrasted human beings and animals by making male and female. As we see the Word of God, as it follows through, we begin to see that, you know, God uh, called Abraham, this guy who was an idol worshiper, out of his people. And, and he said, I'm going to raise up a separate people out of your loins. You're going to be a nation all of its own. And it's going to contrast every other nation in the world. And, you, and then God took this nation of Israel, these children of Abraham, which became many in number, just like the Word of God said, and He placed them in the crossroads of two of the greatest civilizations that there ever was, Assyria and Egypt. And every time somebody from Egypt went to Assyria, or every time anyone from Assyria came to Egypt to do business or to, to deal with uh, whatever dealings they had, they had to go through that little geographical land where, where there was this people that was unlike any other people on earth. There was such a contrast. They didn't look like them. They didn't act like them. They didn't dress like them. They didn't worship like them. They didn't believe like them. They were a contrast. They served a true and living God. The only true and living God. Amen? Along with those contrasts were choices. God made sure there were plenty of choices too. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, you had the two trees. You had the tree of life and the tree of knowledge. And here Adam and Eve had been placed in paradise. And He told them, He said, you know what? You guys can live here for eternity. You'll always have everything you need. You'll be fruitful. You'll live in peace. You'll be in prosperity. There's only one requirement. And that is that you don't eat of this one tree. And that choice right there made a big difference in our world, didn't it? Amen. As we look and we see that God continued to give choices as the Bible begins to unfold. There was Noah. Here was a man who was a man of righteousness. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness. And he was living in an immoral world. And he began to preach the Word of God. And he told people for 120 years that there is going to be destruction come and that you'd better repent and change your ways or at least get on the boat unless you can tread water for a long time. But that choice was ignored. And Noah and his family was the only ones saved. We look a little further and we see Moses who goes up on a mountain and he receives the law. Amen. And, and he brings the people to the, to the edge of the promised land. And even though God doesn't let him go into the promised land, Moses exhorts them and he gives them a challenge and a choice. And he says, listen guys, when you go into this promised land, you're going to have a choice. He said, you can obey God. And you can, you can live for Him and follow His statutes and His laws. Or you can follow the, the rules and the laws of the people around you. And, but if you obey God, you'll be, you'll be blessed. You'll be prosperous. You will have life. He said, but if you disobey, you will have death and curses. And bad things are going to take place. Later, 
We see uh, Joshua stand before the people at the end of his life. And he says, you guys are going to need to choose how you're going to live your lives. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Elijah stood on Mount Carmel, amen, before the prophets of Baal, in front of wicked King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And he, and he called down fire from heaven. But he, before he did that, he told the children of Israel this. He said, if Baal is God, serve Baal. But if God, if, the, if, if God is God, if Jehovah is God, then serve God. But choose you this day whom you will serve. We have been faced with choices from the very beginning. And you know what? For the most part, we've made bad choices. I look in the book of Romans to where our verses are today, and I look at the, at the contrast that took place just in this one book. In Romans chapter 1, if you read that, I won't read all the whole book of Romans to you, although it would be great if we did, because I wouldn't have to say anything then, because, you know. But if we start at the book of Romans in the first chapter, we see a picture of immoral mankind. I mean, we're talking about a mankind that has been given over to idol worship and immorality and, and, and debauchery. I mean, you know, it, you didn't have to look at these people very hard to figure out that these guys had really gone off the deep end. But you know, you look in chapter 2 and you see that God or Paul contrasts those immoral people with the morally good Jew. And in chapter 3, he tells us, doesn't really matter. Either one, you're both going to hell without Jesus. That's what he says. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. It does, it, it, you can be the most immoral person on the planet, or you can be a good old boy, and you still won't make it without Jesus. Jesus is the way. Amen? You know, I remember when I was pastoring in Reed's, uh, it was a really rural area, and I remember standing in, in the living room of at least one farmer, because there was a lot of farmers and, and cat, I don't know, cattle guys or whatever, I don't know, I was raised in the city. Anyway, they wore overalls like Dan, so anyhow, uh, and, and, and so anyway, they were, but I remember standing in the living room of one of those guys, and trying to get this guy to see his need to, to accept Christ and come to church. And I remember this guy telling me, he said, man, he said, I know the people that come to your church. I grew up with them. He said, I'm better than they are. I'm just as good as they are. I know what kind of, I know how they do business. I know how they talk about people. I know how, and you know what? He was right. I knew them too. <laughs> I pastored them. I knew them. And, and you know, he probably was morally better than some of the people that were in my church. But nevertheless, that wasn't the question. The question was, are you in Christ? That's the question. Amen. And as we look in, in the book of Romans and we see it in chapter 5, God, you know, the Lord, Paul contrasts the, the innocence and the purity of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, amen, when there was nothing about us that was appealing to God, when there was no reason whatsoever why God would have any affection towards us, while we were yet sinners, He commendeth His love toward us. And, and Jesus died for us in spite of ourselves. 
In chapter 6, we see that Paul reaches out and he tells us that when we begin to identify our lives with the crucified Christ and we identify ourselves with the resurrected Lord, amen, that suddenly we have the power to choose between good and evil. Previous to that, we didn't really have much choice going on. We can try to do good, but we're always going to fail. Amen. And in chapter 7, Paul talks about that same struggle. And I'm getting there. Hang on with me. He talks about that same struggle in chapter 7. And and it's a real tongue twister, so I'm not going to quite try to quote it. But basically, what does Paul say? He says, hey, you know all the things that I know to do right? And Paul was a rule keeper. He knew what keeping rules was all about. Man, this guy was, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees or a Hebrew of Hebrews. I mean, this guy knew exactly what the rules were. And, and, and he said, but you know, in spite of all the things that I know to do and in spite of the fact that I want to do them, I just can't seem to get it right. It seems like I do the things I shouldn't do and the things I shouldn't do is the things I do. Can anybody identify with that? Yeah, we can identify with that. You know why? Because we're human just like Paul was. Amen. We have the same struggles that Paul had. We had the same battle that's going on inside of us, just like Paul had, between the flesh and the Spirit. And it doesn't matter how much we try, amen, in our, in our own self, we're always going to fall short unless we are letting Christ live His life through us. But you know what's great? When he starts out in Romans chapter 8, after he, after he gives us this picture of this dilemma and this contrast that's going on, he says this at the end of chapter 7, he said, Who shall deliver me from this? You know, it's just a sense of hopelessness and desperation. It's like, how in the world? What's the answer? And then suddenly, out of the blue, amen, in verse 1 of chapter 8, comes these words, There is therefore now. Everybody say now. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. What does it mean to be in Christ Jesus? If you look up the word, that word, I know it sounds crazy, but if you look up that word in, in, in the Greek, and it's used in Christ, if you look up that term in Christ, in the Greek, in several different places in the New Testament, it actually paints a picture of a circle with a dot in the middle. Sounds kind of nutty, doesn't it? A circle with a dot in the middle. The circle represents Christ. The dot represents us. When we get in Christ, we are surrounded or protected by Him. It's like He envelops our life. Amen. He is our covering. He's our umbrella. We are in Him. We begin to identify with Him. And you know what? When God looks at us, you know what He sees? He sees Jesus. When God looks at us, He sees Jesus Christ. He doesn't see old Gary Duke. Amen. He he sees the only begotten Son. He sees a son of the living God. He sees you and I just like he sees Christ. Mm. Amen. I want to I share with you a message today. This message is entitled, This is Your Life, if you want it to be. Because it is a choice. There is a contrast, and there is a choice. 
You know, I, I, uh, I was thinking uh, today as I was, uh, you know, preparing, uh, you know, f- putting final preparations, and, and it was at these first uh, number of verses that I read where it talks about how that, uh, you know, uh, those that mind the things of the flesh or after, or after the things of the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. Those that are after the Spirit, mind the things of the Spirit. How do we get after the Spirit? How do, we, how do we remove ourselves from this fleshly mindset and we allow ourselves to be in a place to where God is in control of our thought processes, where He helps us to make the right choices, where the words that come out of our mouth are the words that God would have to come out of our mouth, where our hearts, amen, are led and guided by God. You know, it, it, there's two things that we need as Christians. There's two things that we need. One thing is the heart of God, and the other thing is the mind of Christ. But I got news for you today. You can't have one without the other. Amen. You have got to have both for it to work right. And the one thing that we have to do is realize the fact that, you know what, you and I are never going to get fixed. God did not come to fix us. He didn't come to repair us. He didn't come to patch me up or make me better. Amen. He came to renew me. He came to create a new creation in Jesus Christ, in me. Amen. And you know, the, the, the Word of God says in Romans chapter 12, be ye transformed. Transformed. And, and if you look in the Greek, that word is the same word we get metamorphosis from. It's the same word that describes what happens when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly or a little tadpole turns into a frog. Amen. Basically what he's saying is is that God didn't come to to fix your old self and to make your old self better. He came to so that he could live his life through us and transform us uh, into the nature of Christ, that the nature of Christ might be revealed in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I uh done ran off without my notes here. Give me a second to catch up. All right, Uh, when we see what uh, Paul is saying in these first verses of chapter 8, one of the things he says is, is that when we get in Christ, we are free from the penalty of sin. You know, there is a law. He talks about the law of the Spirit and the law of the flesh. The law of the flesh leads to death, the Word of God says. It says that in the flesh, we are at enmity with God. The word enmity means at war with God. And you know what? When we are when we are in the flesh and we're without Christ, the 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 law of of, of death always le- I mean the law of sin always leads to death. But the law of the spirit, when we are in Jesus, the law of the spirit always leads to life. It is it is nullified the penalty of death. Sin no longer has a hold on us. It no longer has its stamp on us. We don't belong to that no more. Are y'all with me today? Amen. God has lifted us up out of that place of sin and death, and He has placed us in a place of life and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. Amen. The problem is is that oftentimes we're not really aware of it. We forget those things. We We let the weaknesses of our flesh distract us away from what God is really doing in us and with us. Knowledge is power, y'all. Amen. Knowledge is power. And you know what? It doesn't take very much for us to forget or get off track from where we're supposed to be. 
It just takes a little bit of distraction or a little opposition or a little weakness on our part that comes to the service. You know what? You can walk in the Spirit all day long. You can get up one morning. You can have your devotions like I do early in the morning. <laughs> and, and you know what? You can be full of the Holy Ghost and you can determine in your heart, man, I am going to walk in the Spirit today. I'm going to make sure that every word that comes out of my mouth is going to be pleasing to the Lord. That probably means you're going to need to keep your mouth shut all day long. I'm not going to look at anything that would be displeasing to my, my God. You better stay at home and keep the door locked. Amen. But if, if you were able to accomplish that, at the end of the day, when you lay down at your bed and you think to yourself, right before you close your little peepers, and you say to yourself, you know what? I did it. Man, today I walked in the Spirit. I was a spiritual giant. Amen. The devil didn't have nothing on me today. I put that old man in the grave. The flesh was dead today. But you know what? When you get up in the morning and you look in the mirror, guess what? It's resurrection morning. <laughs> because the flesh is going to be staring you right back in the face. And the same challenges that you overcame yesterday, they're going to be there today. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and there's always going to be that tendency. You know what? I can remember. I have a really good long-term memory. Long-term. Not short-term. <laughs> I might put my deodorant on three times because I can't remember if I just did it or not. <laughs> there's reasons for that we won't go into. But I grew up in the 70s, you know. And uh, so, but, <laughs> but I have a great long-term memory. Amen. In fact, I can remember we was in Deacon, uh, our ministry leaders meeting, and Khalif was talking about how that he stuck his finger in a light socket one time. And, uh, you know, that's my very first memory. I was probably two years old. I was in diapers. The reason why I know I was in diapers is because, uh, you know, I, when, I, when I did it, I landed on my little diapered buttocks, you know. And so, like, I knew that I was in diapers. That was the five-mile-an-hour bumper, you know. And, but, I, man, I was like, I remember, like yesterday, my mama had some kind of little end table, and, and I looked up under the lampshade. Of course, when you're two years old, you look up under everything, right? Because, I mean, you're only... And, and I remember looking up under the lampshade, and I seen this gold, shiny thing. I can remember it. And I was like, uh, Schmeagel, you know, I'm the precious, the precious. And so, <laughs> and so I stuck my little finger and I went the precious. And, and I, I stuck my finger in that light socket, which was missing a light bulb. And, uh, and I lit up, you know. And, and man, it knocked me on my rear. And, and you know what? But guess what? I never did that again. That was a lesson well learned. But I can remember the first time I ever sinned. The first time I ever willingly sinned. I can remember it. Now, this is going to sound crazy to y'all. But this is what happened. When I was a kid growing up, we was poor, but we had, a, we had this old blonde TV that had no knobs on it. And we used wire pliers to, you know, uh, and, <laughs> and the rabbit ear thing and all that. But there was a little cartoon show that came on on Saturday mornings, it was called Benny and Cecil. Anybody ever remember Benny and Cecil? You got to be old to remember that. 
<laughs> seasoned. We're seasoned, you know. Okay. So anyway, Benny and Cecil was like his little, I forget, one of them was a sea monster and the other one was something else. I forget what, what the deal was. But anyway, man, I grew up in a home where, I mean, you know, there was no such thing as mild profanity, okay? And, and I remember hearing uh, one, in, the, in the cartoon, one of the characters said the word heck, heck. Now, in my home, you get your mouth slapped for that. My mama would slap your mouth if you said that, and if you was little, not your mouth, of course, but you know what I'm saying, her kid. And so anyway, I, for some reason, I knew that was not a word I was supposed to say in my mama's house, but I heard that word, and it just kind of got in my spirit, you know, and I thought, I want to say that word. I want to say that. I want to see what, I want to say that. I was like five years old. I got on my bicycle. And I drove six blocks on my bicycle. There was a snow cone stand down on the corner of Clarendon, and I forget what the side street was, but I went all the way down to the snow cone stand. And I was in the parking lot. I remember I was in the parking lot of this little snow cone stand. I was sitting on my bike, and you know, I made sure I got away from my house. And I, I was sitting on my little bicycle, and I looked around, and I didn't see anybody I knew, you know. In fact, I don't even think it was anybody out there. And, and I said, heck. <laughs> and nothing really happened. I didn't really get any big pleasure out of it. So I thought I'd try it again. So I said it again. Heck. I said it a little louder, you know. I think I might have even said it the third time even louder. And I thought, man, that, that really wasn't all this cracked up to be. And so I, I went back to my house. Well, when I got back to my house, before I got back to my house, I was already feeling guilty about what I'd done because I knew what I'd done was not something my mama would be pleased with. And so when I got back to my house, I went to see my mama first thing. Well, guess what? My mama wasn't there. She was gone. And, and I was like, where did my mama go? And I started looking around. And man, I looked out in the yard. I looked up in the front where she had a beauty shop. She wasn't up there either. There was some ladies up there getting their hair done, but she wasn't there. And I, I went back in the house and looked around. She wasn't in the bathroom. And I thought, oh my God, I've done sin one time and I've already missed the rapture. <laughs> and, <laughs> and man, my, my heart was gripped with fear. I was afraid. I thought I had done been left behind before they even wrote the book, man. And, 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 I, and I, I thought, oh my God, I just felt terrible. And I, I happened to look and I seen her coming down the sidewalk. And what happened was, I did not tell her I was going anywhere. She didn't know where I'd been, so she went out looking for me. And I thought she was just, you know, I, I thought that was it. I've, I've been... But at that young age... At that very young age, I had that struggle between the flesh and the spirit. You know, I got two little grandsons. They're the two most awesome little individuals in the planet. But I can tell you something. They got Adamic natures. You know, they, they, their little fleshly nature will come out, you know, with greed. Mine! <laughs> and disobedience when they look at their mama and say, no! And, and, you know, or whatever. I mean, they're no different than any other little kid. But what I'm saying is, is that this thing is inside of us. It is a struggle that is inside of us, and Christ has come to set us free. 
Paul said in the book of Galatians in chapter 2, verse 20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me, and the life that I now live in the flesh. Huh? Come on now. Think about that for a second. The life that I now live in the flesh. He said, man, I am living a life that is pleasing to God in the flesh. How do I do it? The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave Himself for me. There's only one way that God is going to make us like He wants us to be, and that is if He is the one living through us. We can't do it on our own. We're not going to get good enough. We can't try hard enough. I tried for 20-something years to be better. I could never get better until I finally figured out that, you know what, I have to empty myself and let God live through me. And when I begin emptying myself daily on an altar of praise and sacrifice and worship in my morning prayer time, every day I pray for various things. But one thing I pray for every day, and that is, Lord, help me to empty Gary Duke out. And Lord, help me to be filled with your Spirit so that you can live through me. Amen. Because I know that if I'm going to live a life that's pleasing to God, it's only going to be because God lived through me. And that's the only way you're going to do it either. If you come up with a better way, you let me know. That is it. That's the secret. Amen. We are free from the penalty of sin. We're free from defeat, free from fear, and free from failure. Now I'm going to bring it down real quickly to three things, because Brother Tony's sitting right there. Three things. These are the three things. When I go to these final verses... It says, whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, he also called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he glorified. This is your life. Now I can remember, you know, even in churches, there are certain topics that become popular. How many of y'all remember the prayer Jabez? I mean, that's a great prayer, you know. But, I mean, that was a hot thing, wasn't it? I mean, you know, they made doilies out of it and everything, you know. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff going on about the prayer. We're going to extend our tent pens, you know, and, and, and God widen my influence. And, you know, those are great prayers. Well, I still pray those. Amen. But, you know, it was a hot topic, you know. And, and not long ago, maybe not too far in the distant past, there was a hot topic. Uh, find your destiny. Yeah, how many of you know what I'm talking about? It was all about your destiny. You know, if you, you know, guys on TV was telling you, if you did, I'll tell you what your destiny is. Or let's do a series on you discovering your destiny. You know, well, I got news for you. Here's your destiny. You ain't got to send nobody money in Tulsa. It's okay. I'm going to tell you for free. This is your destiny. Your destiny is, is that first of all, First thing is, God wants you to be in relationship with Him. That's number one. God wants you to be in a relationship with Him. I, I'm not going to get into a, a, a discussion about predestination and election because I don't understand that. I couldn't even begin to. I'm not a Calvinist. I, don't even, I can't even begin to discuss that. I don't know if it's right or wrong or whatever. I don't even care. <laughs> what, what I will tell you is this. Amen. The Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of Jesus shall be saved. The Bible says, for God so loved the world 
that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Now whether God, I, I don't know how he equates all that with, with you know, determining someone getting saved or whatever. When you get to heaven, you can ask him about it maybe. But I can tell you this, that if you're in this house today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, there ain't nobody wants you to be in relationship with God more than God. God wants you to know him. He already knows you. He wants you to know Him. Amen. And if you'll be honest with yourself, if you don't know Christ, I can guarantee you that if you are really honest, you could probably look in your not-too-distant past and you could see times when God has orchestrated things and brought people into your life so that the Word of God could be imparted into your heart. Maybe things took place to the, where God could show you that He really does exist, that He's real, that He's alive, that He loves you, that He cares for you. And He's just waiting for you to acknowledge that. He has predestinated us to conform to the image of His, of His Son. That's the second thing, is that God wants us to live a life of victory. He wants us to live a life of victory. Uh, I've thought about this before. If, you, if, you, if there was a homeless guy, right, and, and this homeless guy was down on his luck, and he had no home, and he had no set of clothes other than what he had on, and he was hungry and dirty and couldn't take a bath and, and whatever, and he's sitting on a street corner, right? And, and, and this homeless guy, and all of a sudden this, this, this factory owner, you know, a well-to-do CEO, comes driving up, and he sees the poor guy sitting there, and he says, hey, man, if you come with me, I'll give you a job. I'll give you a place to stay. You'll have a paycheck. You'll be able to buy your own food. You'll be able to buy you some clothes. Oh, man, God gets up. He goes with that CEO. He's happy as a lark. He gets in there, man, the first, first few months, you know what? He is so tickled pink. He's not homeless anymore. He's got money in his pocket. He can actually buy his own food. He knows where he's going to sleep every night. He's not laying out under the stars on the street curb. Hey, man, but, and he's stamping this this piece of metal in this factory, right? But after about maybe eight, nine months, whatever, you see that same guy? Huh? He done forgot where he come from. First thing. Second thing is, he hasn't advanced. He hasn't grown. Are you with me today? I don't have time to preach all this. It's already 12 o'clock, so I'm going to wind it. But, but what I'm trying to say is, okay, if you're going to live in victory, you've got to live in a state of growth. God is wanting you to advance. You can't live in victory and be stagnant. You take a pool of water and let it flow off into a little, uh, a little sideway or whatever you want to call it, a causeway, and, and, and you let it flow in there and just sit... And I guarantee you it won't be very long, man. It's going to have skeeters breeding. There's going to be water bugs. There's going to be moss all over it. It's going to stink. You know what? You ain't even going to catch a fish in there. Amen. Because ain't no fish going to even want to hang out in there. Amen. And, 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 but you know what? If it's flowing, huh? If it's flowing, God wants us to flow in the Spirit. Listen, God's not, he, he's not, he's not bored. There's never a moment in God's world where he's sitting around in heaven twiddling his thumbs thinking, man, this is getting old. You know? 
I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do next. You know, there is not one moment in time that God doesn't have a plan to take you from where you're at right now, wherever you are. I've been saved 32 years, but I can guarantee you as long as there's breath in this body and there's a willingness in my heart to advance with the Lord, God's got someplace He's trying to take me. There's another level He's trying to bring me to. There's something new He's trying to teach me. Are y'all with me today? Amen. There's no reason why we should feel like we're stuck or we're just mundane in our spiritual walk. Amen. God wants you to live in victory. And I'll tell you something. When you get involved in doing the work of the Lord, you will experience much more victory in your life. Amen. You will experience the excitement that comes with what you are genuinely created to do. Because in each and every one of us in this building, God has placed within us gifts and callings that, he, that only you can fulfill. You're in your world with your people. Third thing, and I'm going to close. God wants us to spend eternity in heaven. If there's a heaven, there's got to be a hell, guys. Huh? If there's a God, there's a devil. And if there's a heaven, there's a hell. And the hell was made for the devil and his angels. Didn't have nothing to do with us. God is not pleased when people go to hell. But you know what? He has made a way of escape that we can avoid that thing. And God wants us to spend eternity in heaven if we will just uh, uh, choose to do that. Amen. It's not a, it, it, you know, the pleasure, the Bible says that there's pleasure in sin. There ain't no doubt about that. I mean, I spent 13 years enjoying the pleasures of sin, you know? But the Bible says those pleasures are for a season. A season. They're short, short-lived. Doesn't take very long, and you get sick of waking up not knowing where your car is, how you lost your billfold, how come my glasses got broke? Who's this person, huh? Come on. <laughs> it doesn't take long. Hey man, when you, before you get tired of booming headaches and, and, and lost jobs and getting evicted out of your home and, 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 you know, and, and relationships being broken and, and all those things that goes along with sin, there's no pleasure in all that. Hey man, there's, they're very temporary in nature. You know, I, I'll close with this story. There was, there was a guy that got on an airplane, right? And so... He gets on this airplane, and they give him a parachute. They said, here, you need to wear this. So he's sitting on the airplane, all right? He's got this big old bulky 90-pound parachute on his back, and he's sitting there all bent over in his seat. It's uncomfortable. Amen. And, you know, uh, he, the plane takes off, and he looks around, and everybody else is relaxed. Nobody's got a parachute on they're sitting there enjoying themselves, smoking cigarettes, drinking liquor, having peanuts, whatever. And, and, and he's sitting there, and the stewardess walks by, and he's like, gives her a sneer. Same guy gets on the airplane, right? They give him this parachute. They said, hey, you got to wear this. He said, why is that? Stewardess says, we have pretty good information. In fact, almost 100% information this plane is going down. <laughs> You're going to need that parachute. He sits on that plane, man. He's still got 90 pounds on his back. He's still uncomfortable. He looks around. Everybody's, nobody else is wearing one. He's sitting there eating. They're eating their peanuts and they're drinking their booze. And he's sitting there with his parachute on. But he's got a big old smile on his face. 
<laughs> but stewardess walks by. Thank you, thank you. You know, <laughs> what makes the difference? The difference is is the certainty of eternity. Amen. Guys, there's no doubt about it whatsoever that eventually we're going to stop breathing. These bodies are going to give out. Either that or Jesus is going to come. One of those two things are going to happen. Amen. When those two things happen, one of two things is going to happen. There's going to be a contrast that's going to occur. Amen. We're either going to go up or we're going to go through the basement. Amen. One of the two. It's a surety. Have you got your parachute up? Are you ready? See? Now, if I, was, if I had started this sermon this morning by asking that question, how many of you are on your way to hell? How many of you would have voted or not voted? Whatever. Amen. Even in a crowd this size, you know, it'd be great to think that every one of you is on your way to heaven and you're saved. But you know what? The odds are probably not. You may be one of those people that just show up at church every Sunday. Because you know it's the right thing to do, but you know in your heart and your spirit that really you're not sure if God was to call your number, you was to take your last breath, you don't know for a fact that you're going to make heaven your home. You know what? I, I, I remember when I was a kid growing up, man, they preached on hell a lot. You remember that, Tony? <laughs> I mean, they preached on hell a lot. In fact, I probably got saved 30 times when I was a kid. When I was a teenager, every Sunday, we went to church on Sunday night. That was the night they preached on hell, Sunday night. They never preached on it Sunday morning. because, But Sunday night, now, that was hell night. And, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, I mean, I would come home. Man, I'd be 16 years old. Man, I was doing a lot of stuff at age 16 that I shouldn't have been doing. And, and I would lay in bed at night, and I would be so gripped with fear. I mean, you know, and I'd lay there, and I'd think, oh, God, I don't want to go to hell, you know. And I'd be like, oh, God. And I, nobody had prayed with me. I mean, I grew up in church, you know, so I knew what the thing was. And, and I, was, I said, oh, God, you know, Lord, forgive me my sin. Lord, take away my sin. You know, don't let me go to hell, God. Lord, you know, if I was to go die in my sleep, don't let me go to hell. You know, I'd wake up the next morning. Whew, didn't go to hell, you know. So I'd get my clothes on, go, get in my car, go up to the high school parking lot. I'd park in my car the same spot where I always park, get out of my car, get in Jerry Massey's old Chevrolet Impala, and we'd sit there and smoke weed for about 20 minutes. Then I'd get out of his car and about 10 minutes before the bell rang and get Randy Klein's 57 Chevy, and I'd take a few shots of Everclear, and then I'd drop a yellow jacket and go to class. That's who I was. That thing didn't touch me one bit. That prayer meant nothing. It got me to sleep. It didn't save me. That's for sure. I was just as lost as I ever was. I prayed that prayer probably 25 times. I said, what's, what, wait a second, what happened? How come it, I thought that's all you had to do. How come it did? It's because my will was not involved. I didn't really want to go to heaven. I just didn't want to go to hell. You know? <laughs> but you know what? At age 29, I knelt beside my, my dad's bedside and, 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 and a broken life, a heroin addict that was lost and undone, who felt who was so lonely and lost and, 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 and had nothing going for me. And that day, when I asked Jesus to come into my heart, I meant it. And that was the, that was the first day of the rest of my life. That's when life began. That's when the contrast ceased. Because no longer did I have to struggle with all that mess. God took over. He began to live His life through me.
And I've learned a lot since then. I'm still learning. And I ain't perfect. But I do know I'm making it to heaven. I would hate for us to leave this service today with anybody that's unsure of whether or not you're going to make it to heaven or if you truly know Jesus as your Savior. If you do, you know you do. Amen. Don't you? Yeah, you do. There's no uncertainty with, with God. God's not fooling nobody. Amen. We either know Him or we don't know Him. Amen. But I would hate for... And the second thing is, is I would hate for you to continue to live a defeated Christian life if you think that you're going to be able to do this on your own. I want to encourage you. Amen. To begin to submit yourself to God and let the Spirit of the Lord live through you and live in freedom, man. Live in freedom. Live in peace and liberty in Jesus. Let Jesus do the work. Don't carry the load. What did He say? Cast your cares on Me. For I care for you. My burden is light. Amen. Thank you for sticking with me an extra ten minutes there. Would you bow your heads? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you today for the anointing that I felt this morning. Thank you for this awesome service that you've given us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for every life that's represented in this house. I ask God that your Holy Spirit would just would just move amongst us right now for just a minute or two, God. Just help us, Jesus, to, to be honest with ourselves, to search our hearts, to know whether or not for sure that we're going to spend eternity with you. I want every head bowed this morning, and I want, I, I'm not going to embarrass you or in, in any way, but I just want to pray with you. I just want to say a prayer. Amen. But if you're here today and you do not know Jesus as your Savior, maybe you, you're, you have uncertainty in your heart. You're not sure whether or not that if you was to take your last breath right now that you would spend eternity with the Lord. I want you to slip your hand up, please. Amen. Anybody? I would not want you to leave this house. I'm not going to make you come up here. I'm not going to make you do nothing. Me and you are going to say a prayer from right where we're at. Amen. Anybody? Yes, I see that hand. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right. If you're here today and you say, in your, and you say Pastor, uh, Brother Gary, uh, I, have, I, I struggle with some things. I've got some weights in my life that I need God to help me to overcome. And I just need the Lord to just help me to live a more, more victorious Christian life. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? I want to say a prayer. Thank you. Amen. Thank you for that honesty. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Right now, we're going to pray. Everybody keep your heads bowed. We're going to pray together. Amen. Father, first I want to, I want to pray with, with this one that, that uh, asks uh, for the Lord to come into their heart. We're going to pray right now. And I want you to pray in your way. Amen. Mean it with all of your heart. Praise God. Father, Lord, we thank you for the price that you paid on Calvary. God, we, we commemorated that price today in this time of communion. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, God, for the blood that was shed for our sin. While we were yet sinners, you died for us. Father, we thank you for your body that was broken and the submission and the obedience that you had, you, you exhibited just for us, God. And Lord, I, I, I ask right now that you would just, Lord, just help me to identify with you. I accept the price that you paid. I believe that you're Lord and Savior. And I receive you into my heart and my life 100%. I'm not going to allow Satan to steal any kind of uh, uh, thought away from me right now that would hinder me from receiving you into my heart. 
And Lord, I just accept you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray, God, for each and every one of these today who acknowledge, Lord, that there's weights or strongholds or things that they're struggling with. Lord, you see all of our hands, God, because we all struggle. And Father God, we just pray today that you would just let there be an awareness, Lord Jesus, that you want to live your life through us and help us just to lean on you and to walk in faith and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit. God, whatever it is that is trying to grip us or take hold of us, we submit it to you at the foot of the cross. We leave it there today. Lord Jesus, we determine in our heart that we're not going to let the devil to trick us up and we're going to believe that you are going to give us a victorious Christian life through your name, in Jesus' name. And Lord, we praise you for it. Amen, amen. Would you give the Lord praise today? Come on.